0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining into the Franconia Mennonite Church Podcast. This is Pastor Kyle. Great to be with y'all. We are in week four of our sermon series, Walk the Walk, and Pastor Josh is going to be leading us through 1 John chapter four, the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. What does that look for us today? Us who claim to be Christians, who claim to be children of God, Uh, really good stuff here by Pastor Josh and 1 John each week just continues to challenge us. And it's going to continue that way as we go through the rest. The first John and into Second John and Third John. But before we hear from Pastor Josh, let's hear a bit more from him on his sermon prep. All righty, y'all. I am here with Pastor Josh. We are both chilling here with uh, cups of coffee after a uh, Dismal Eagles win. I'll call it last night.
1: <laughs> that... Worst, worst I've felt after a win in quite a while. Yeah,
0: it was pretty.
1: <laughs> Can I say that? That was pretty rough. was bad. Yep.
0: Um. But yeah, so we are uh, in. Uh, what this is week four, right? Yep. Week yep. four of our sermon series, "Walk the Walk," uh, going through the books of First, Second, and Third John. Uh, so, Josh, I'll start off with this and ask you this how have you gotten to this point where you are right now in week four, right? So uh, all three of us have preached, you, mm-hmm. uh, Mark and I, and uh, week four, you, you know, you kind of started off in the beginning of the sermon, how it just kind of uh, flowed into this point where now we're at the point where we're talking about uh, the spirit of truth and and the, and the spirit of falsehood. I forget what you call it mm-hmm. there, but yep. what those sources come from, right? The spirit of truth, that source comes from God, and the, the spirit of falsehood, that source comes from the world. How did you get to that point
1: it's kind of interesting i mean this is the first time that i have preached through the book of first john and second john and third john i mean these are books that i have read before but as you know when you study to preach it's a different level of engagement and so I've, I've read these books a number of times before but not studying it at the level and in the depth that i have here and so Honestly, I was kind of expecting this series to go in a different direction. Like when we planned this series, I kind of had a different thought for where things were going to go. But as we've gotten into it and as I've really studied it, I've I've realized that John writes in a certain kind of way that that when you really slow down to pay attention, I hadn't really noticed some of the some of the unique ways that John writes. And it's been yeah. it's been challenging and and I think really helpful. And so I mentioned that right at the beginning of this message that like john is one who writes in really clear black and white terms and you know certainly there there are times i was actually planning to say this yesterday in the sermon and i forgot so i'll say it here um like there are times where it's important for us to acknowledge complexity and to you know speak with humility and to say hey we, we don't know about some issues like there are there are shades of gray on disputable matters. So like that's a biblical principle in some cases, but in other cases and on other issues, like the ones that John writes about, man, he's really clear. Um, and so how did we get to this point? I think <laughs> by by seeing and and affirming and recognizing the really clear black and white distinctions John makes. and And I think it's important, especially at this time, Uh, In our world, in our culture, to be able to recognize that which is true, and to to make that clear distinction.
0: Yeah, no, that's great, and I I appreciate that. And so, uh, I guess that moves into this. You know. I, w- I would normally ask you how you were inspired by mm-hmm. uh, you know your your prep uh, just with this one sermon but uh, we're halfway through this series I mean how, how have you been inspired uh, throughout the series so far I mean like I, I look back on it and I just I think of his writing and just that very clear picture he gives us and, and that inspires me to know that okay like we we have a way we choose either left or right wrong or right darkness or light mm-hmm. and I mean that inspires me in a way to to be like okay it's clear and, and I and I want to go in that right way, knowing that there are going to be times when, when I cross over in mm-hmm. that wrong way. But it's inspired me to know that that we have a God who is full of grace and love that it wants to offer His forgiveness to us, and and I want to accept that, yeah. and 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 I want to uh, take that. Uh, uh, Deep within my being of mm-hmm. accepting his forgiveness because I'm not worthy of it, but but I need it desperately Yeah, um, and so I just I really appreciate that clear writing that John has given to us But
1: yeah, how have you been inspired th- thus far throughout the sermon series? You know, I think one of the things that this style of writing does and, and this kind of biblical truth that we see in in these books Is it brings us to a point of decision like, like you just indicated like okay? there are these clear different paths and so which way am I going to choose to walk and you know so even like this sermon what where we ended up in this sermon I told you before the service like (laughs) I half joked I didn't finish my sermon this week and you thought I was kidding I said no really I didn't come up with a conclusion I didn't come up with a way to end this because I just had this sense like in preparing and I feel like this whole series has sort of been leading us toward this like okay like like we see these clear distinctions and now we need to come to a, to a point of decision, to a point of either repenting when we're walking down the wrong path mm-hmm, yeah. and then committing to we're going to walk in godliness. And so I knew that I kind of wanted to end this message by giving people an opportunity to to confess and repent and then also to to make a commitment of some kind to, to walk in godliness. And, you know, I didn't want that to be too scripted. I kind of wanted the spirit to lead uh, in, in how that went. But I mean, that's how. I've been inspired and challenged in this series. Is I feel like every week it's it's bringing us to a place of decision. Like this is not the kind of writing that you just read and you think, oh, that's nice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ponder that for a while. Like there are some parts of scripture where it really leads you to a place of introspection, mm-hmm. and I feel like John, man, leads you to a place of of decision and commitment. And so that's been inspiring and also challenging. And so hopefully uh, for those listening, you feel that as well. So I'm going to end this way uh, before we hop into the sermon. Josh doesn't know I'm
0: going to do this, but uh, I actually just uh, do want to do this. And again, this is totally unscripted, but uh, we are in a week where it's uh, it's the election week. Mm-hmm. And so tomorrow is uh, election day. And I recognize that you know just from people who I've talked to in this congregation and people who I've talked to outside of the congregation in the community, I mean, on both sides, they're Extremely worried, and, and there is a, a certain heightened sense of just tension. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I just want to ask you this give a pastoral word to those people who feel so worried about whatever tomorrow might bring, just a good
1: pastoral word mm-hmm. of wisdom to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and actually, you know, this is unplanned and unscripted, but it ties in exactly to the sermon that you're going to hear like 1 John 4 perfect love casts out fear. And like the fear that is in our world right now, the fear, you know, like you said, people on both sides, people all over are experiencing fear, the fear of what would happen if, if that person gets elected, the fear of what happens if those people take control, the fear of what will happen if those people don't honor the real, there's so much fear in our world right now. And that doesn't come from the spirit of God, that comes from the spirit of falsehood. And so my pastoral word, my reminder would be, as we are made perfect in God's love, perfect love casts out fear. And so if you are feeling fearful, if you are feeling anxious, if you are feeling worried, rest in the love of God, because it is the love of God that casts out fear, the love of God that breaks that cycle of fear. And ultimately, man, I'll just come back to something I said a couple of weeks ago in our politics series. Whoever sits in the Oval Office does not change who sits on the throne. Yeah. God is in control. We can We can rest in the goodness and grace of God. And whoever gets elected, if Donald Trump gets elected, our call as Christians is to live in grace and to walk in love. And if Joe Biden gets elected, our call as Christians is to live in grace and to walk in love. Whatever happens in the political world, our responsibility as Christians, live in grace, walk in love. Amen.
0: That's great. So we'll move right into it then. Here's Pastor Josh on First John chapter 4, perfect love casts out fear. Good morning. We will be reading from 1 John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you you know the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already.
1: Little children, you are now in the world already from God, and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, whoever knows God listens to us, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error.
2: Thank you, Brent and Tanya, for reading our scripture for us this morning. And I want you to pay particular attention to the last verse that they just read, because that is really going to set the stage for what we're going to think about together this morning. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Evidently, in our world today, there are competing spirits. There are competing voices. There are competing perspectives on who God is and how we are called to live in this world. And so this morning during our message, I want us to do a little bit of comparing and contrasting these various voices, these various perspectives, these various spirits. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. How do we know that we are being influenced in our lives by the spirit of truth And how do we know that we are being influenced by the spirit of falsehood? That's what the chapter of 1 John chapter 4 uh, reveals to us. And so I want us to think about that together this morning. And most importantly, to think then about how we in our own lives can begin to put off falsehood and experience more of God's truth. This is part of a larger sermon series that we are doing together in which the name of the series is Walk the Walk. In this series, we are walking through, no pun intended, uh, we're walking through the books of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John together. This morning, we come to 1 John chapter 4, and chapter 4 follows a similar pattern to the first three chapters of 1 John. If you've been here the first three weeks of this series, you know that John has a particular kind of writing style, and John very much writes in black and white terms. As Pastor Mark said in the opening sermon of this series, John kind of writes with a meat cleaver, He makes really clear distinctions. And we see a similar kind of thing in 1 John chapter 4. So throughout this series so far, quick little recap, here's what we have seen so far, John writing with a kind of meat cleaver. In chapter 1, John makes a really clear distinction between those walking in darkness and those walking in the light. In chapter 2, John makes a really clear distinction between those living in sin and those living in grace. In chapter 3, John makes a really clear distinction between children of God and children of the devil, right? You, You might remember Pastor Kyle's sermon from last Sunday. There was a line of tape down the middle here, and it was basically, are you in or are you out? Are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? We have this pattern in this book of very clear, very sharp distinctions. And in chapter 4, we see another similar kind of distinction being made, the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Again, in our world today, there are competing spiritual realities. And John wants his readers to understand, he wants us to understand That not every influence in the world is going to lead us toward godliness. Some influences in the world today do reflect and reveal and lead us toward Christ. But some don't. Some lead us in the opposite direction. And John's counsel here is to test the spirits. That's how he begins this chapter. He says, test the spirits. Test that which is influencing your life. Not everything out there. It is going to lead you toward Christ. And so be diligent. Evaluate the perspectives that are influencing your life. And then, thankfully, in the rest of the chapter, he goes on and he tells us how to do that, which is good because (laughs) test the spirits sounds good, but what does that actually mean? Right? Like, how do we actually do that? How do we know whether we are primarily being influenced by a spirit of truth or by a spirit of falsehood? Well, in this chapter, John goes on and he gives us four markers or four indicators that sort of differentiate between this spirit of truth and a spirit of falsehood. So that's what we are going to cover together this morning. There is a handout in your bulletin if you find that kind of thing helpful. Sort of gives the outline of what we're going to cover, has some places that you can fill in and follow along. So let's see what John says here in chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The first distinction we see between the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood is their source. They don't all come from the same place. The fundamental source of the spirit of truth is from God. That's what we see here. It says, test the spirits to see if they are from God. The alternative, of course, if they are not from God, if they are not divine in their source, means they are from the world. So on your handout, the fundamental source of the spirit of truth is God. The fundamental source of the spirit of falsehood is from the world. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this first point because it's fairly self-evident, but I do think it's important to just name that and, and to just clearly state that, that the source of truth, the source of ultimate truth does not come from, is not found in the things of this world, but comes from and is found in in God. And so in our lives, if we want to pursue truth, if we want to seek after that which is true, if we want to experience God's truth in our lives, then we need to go back to the source, which is God. And of course, one of the clearest ways that God is revealed to us is through Scripture. And so... I'm going to come back to something I said a couple weeks ago during our politics series, and I'm going to just double down on this. What I think this means is that if you spend more time and pay more attention to the prevailing voices in our culture than you do to the voice of Jesus, that's a problem. That reveals that you are serving the wrong master and listening to the wrong spirit. I'll say it even more directly. This is how John might say it. John, who writes with a meat cleaver. John would say it this way. If you spend more time and pay more attention listening to the voices of our culture, Fox News, MSNBC, that podcast, talk radio, whatever garbage is on social media right now, if you spend more time listening to the prevailing voices of our culture than you do to the voice of Christ, you're likely being more influenced by the spirit of falsehood than you are by the spirit of truth. And listen, that's the kind of statement you hear in a church, and I know most of you will agree with that in principle. Yes, of course, Jesus' voice matters more than what's on cable news. But then you go and you spend a lot more time watching cable news than you do reading scripture. Of course, Jesus' voice matters more than what's on social media. But how much time do we we spend scrolling versus how much time we actually spend in God's Word? Of course, Jesus' voice is the most important voice in my life. But the moment that your favorite political candidate or favorite political pundit or favorite talk news personality says something that clearly contradicts the person and character of Jesus, how often do we just put that aside? Because we really like this person. Right? The source of truth is God, which means in our lives, we pay more attention, we give more weight, we spend more time seeking the truth of God primarily through Scripture than we do paying attention to these other voices. If we spend more time listening to the prevailing voices of our culture than we do reading Scripture, we're being influenced by the wrong spirit. I was reminded of something just even this past week during our October Wednesday night Bible study series. Past month, it's been fantastic, studying through the book of Philippians together. And just this past week, as we heard a teaching on Philippians chapter four, I was reminded of these words, which are just so helpful and so challenging and so important for us, I think. Paul says this, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Another translation puts it this way, and these are the words that have been rolling around in my heart the past week. I love the way this is, this is captured. Look at this next translation. It says, fill your minds... And meditate on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Friends, the source of truth is God, and so we ought to do whatever we can, as much as we can, to fill our minds, to fill our hearts, to fill our lives with godliness and truth. So I think, one of the first things we see in this chapter. John then continues in 1 John chapter four. He goes on to say this. He articulates the fundamental conviction or the core belief that differentiates truth from falsehood. Look at verses two and following. It says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So here we see a second way of testing the spirits. What do they believe about Jesus? What do they say about the person and work of Christ? The spirit of truth affirms that Jesus is Lord, that he came in the flesh, he lived a perfect sinless life, he was crucified on our behalf and he was raised on the third day, defeating death and sin and shame once and for all. Jesus is Lord. The spirit of falsehood denies Jesus as Lord. Now that denial can happen in a couple of different ways. Perhaps the most obvious way of denying Jesus as Lord is to to just outright reject the message of Jesus, to, to, to reject the claim that Jesus is who he says he was. But you know, I think there's another way of denying that Jesus is Lord. And this is where I think most of us need to pay most attention. There is a kind of denial through disobedience, This is where we say Jesus is Lord. We say that we believe, but then we don't actually live as if that's true. We don't do the things that Jesus clearly commanded us to do. So we say Jesus is Lord, but then we don't actually align our life priorities in accordance with Christ's example. John actually talks about this later in this chapter. Look at verse 20. He says, if anybody says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. If anybody says Jesus is Lord, but then doesn't actually do the things Jesus commanded them to do, they're lying. So friends, understand, it is not enough to just claim that Jesus is Lord. We need to actually live that way. See, I think the spirit of falsehood, one of the strategies of the spirit of falsehood is to try to lull us into a place of complacency. right? Convince that, hey, as long as we just believe all the right stuff, we're good. Even if it doesn't actually impact how we live. Even if it doesn't actually transform our lives. As long as we check the Jesus box, we're good. And John would say, that's not how this works, friends. John comes with the meat cleaver and says, that's not what Jesus is Lord means. You can't say Jesus is Lord and then live as if that's not true. So yeah, we're called to live in grace, but we're also called to walk in love. And that's what the next section of the chapter is about then. Our response. Our response. Let's continue in verse seven. It says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. All right, so, so John now gets into sort of the, the practical outworking of this and, and follow what he's doing here. There is a flow, there's a progression to what John is doing in this section. It starts with the source. God is the source of truth. The fundamental belief of that truth is that Jesus is Lord. And now John gets into, okay, well, what difference does that make? Why does it matter that Jesus is Lord? If Jesus is really Lord, if that conviction is true, what impact should that have in our lives? And he says here very clearly, it should result in love. That is the fundamental response. And then John very quickly goes on to define what he means by love, right? Because love is one of those words, let's be honest, love is one of those words that gets thrown around a lot. Uh, Love can, in fact, sometimes be overused. Love can be kind of squishy, kind of generic. Love can have this connotation where it's defined in different ways by different people. And so John goes on to describe what he means by love. This is the kind of love he is calling us to. It's the kind of love demonstrated by Jesus. Look at verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning, what's the word? Sacrifice for our sins Dear friends, since God so loved us We also ought to love one another In other words, this is the way God has loved us And therefore we should love one another In the exact same way God's love is the example And God's love is not squishy God's love is not vague God's love is not generic No, God's love is costly And concrete, God's love suffers. God's love sacrifices for the sake of other people, even those who don't deserve it. And John says, that is your example. That is your model. That's the definition of love that you are held accountable to. In other words, John says, do you want to know how you're called to treat your spouse? You wanna know how you're called to treat your kids? How you're called to treat your neighbor? How you're called to treat those who you disagree with? Those who are gonna vote for a different candidate on Tuesday than you will? Those who are your most bitter rival and extreme enemy? How are you called to treat them? John says that's your example, that's your model. The same way that Jesus loved you, suffering for you, sacrificing for you. You did nothing to earn it or deserve it and yet Jesus poured himself out for you. That is how you are called to love one another. The spirit of truth leads to lives of suffering sacrificial love. Suffering sacrificial love. Understand, and you know this already, but I'll just say it, this is not the way our world thinks. This is not what our culture promotes and values, right? Most of the voices in our world are not leading us to lives of suffering, sacrificial love for the sake of other people. Most of the voices in our culture are preoccupied with self. Most of the voices in our culture are obsessed with self-protection and self-promotion. Right? It's all about you. Our culture tells you to do whatever you need to do to protect yourself, your well-being, your financial security, your rights, your freedoms, your comfort. It's all about protecting yourself and promoting yourself. Your name, your reputation, your accomplishments, your achievements, your success. Protect yourself and promote yourself. That's the way our world thinks. That's the dominant message of our world. But just to be very clear this morning, the message of self-protection and self-promotion is a message that comes primarily from the spirit of falsehood. The spirit of truth, the spirit that believes Jesus is Lord, the spirit that comes from God is all about suffering for other people. Sacrificing for other people, loving other people above yourself, just as Jesus did for us. So again, John makes a really clear distinction. The difference between those two responses is not subtle. And of course, it leads to the obvious question. Which of those sounds more like you? Which of those responses sounds more like the voices that you are filling your mind with? Which of those sounds more like the influences that you are allowing to form and to shape your life? A spirit of suffering, sacrificial love for the sake of others? or a spirit of self-protection and self-promotion? In other words, what is your fundamental response to the truth that Jesus is Lord? Jesus himself says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so for those who call ourselves Christians, those who claim to follow Jesus, there is no other option There is no other appropriate response than to pour our lives out in suffering, sacrificial love for the sake of other people. Anything less than that, anything other than that is an indication that we probably don't really believe the conviction and that we are being influenced by the spirit of falsehood. John then continues, he he wraps up this section of his letter with, with one final movement. So the fundamental source of truth is God. The fundamental conviction of truth is that Jesus is Lord. The only appropriate response to that truth is for us to lead lives of suffering, sacrificial love. And then if we do that, when we do that consistently enough, it will begin to develop in us a kind of posture toward others. Look at what John writes, starting in verse 16. He says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, We are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So again, there is this theme of love And the order here matters, right? We love because God first loved us. It begins with what God has done, not with what we generate. We love because he first loved us. And then John articulates one of the primary barriers that prevents us from loving other people well. Fear. He says it very simply. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Because perfect love, divine love, godly love, the kind of love that comes from the Father is more powerful than fear. There is no fear in Christ-like love. And man, this this is where I think we see the spirit of falsehood alive and well in our society more than perhaps anywhere else. There is so much fear in our world. Our world is consumed with fear, but understand that fear does not come from God. The spirit of truth casts out all fear. The spirit of falsehood is the one that traps us in cycles of fear. Perfect love Divine love, godly love, Jesus love casts out fear. So I'll show you kind of how this works, kind of a a visual image of of what this looks like. I saw a picture a few years back that I think captures it well. It's called the cycle of fear. I don't know how good your eyes are. If I was sitting in the back, I might not be able to read all that, but I'll kind of of walk you through it here. In the middle, it says, fear drives out love. Love so at the top at the beginning of the cycle fear leads to self protection right so that should sound familiar when we are trapped in a posture of fear all we can think about is ourselves protecting ourselves our well-being what's best for us our rights our freedoms everything about the self 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 fear leads to a posture of self protection a posture of fearful self protection leads to isolation. Right, and that makes sense. When all you can think about is yourself, you end up isolated from everybody else. Right, we become isolated from the needs of others. We become isolated from any opinion, perspective, and viewpoint that doesn't line up with what we already believe. We become isolated from the dignity and the humanity of people who aren't just like us. Is there a little bit of that happening in our world right now? Do we see people, groups of people, who are so isolated that they can't even acknowledge the dignity and the humanity of other people? Yeah, because we've got a lot of fear in our world right now. Fear very quickly leads to isolation. And then isolation naturally leads to what? To more fear, yeah, when you live in in this world, when you live in that kind of cocoon, that kind of feedback loop, when you live in a kind of world where anybody who isn't exactly like you is therefore an enemy out to get you, out to take things from you, out to destroy everything that you hold dear, when you live in that kind of world, it very quickly leads to fear and the cycle continues over and over again. Fear leads to self-protection, self-protection to isolation, isolation to fear and we continue in the pattern over and over and there is no room for love when we're trapped in cycles like that. You can't love others well when you are consumed by fear of them. And so, church, again, I want to implore you. John says, test the spirits. I want to say to you, test the spirits. Evaluate the voices you are allowing into your life. If those voices lead you to a place of fear, it is not the voice of God. If those voices lead you to a place where you prioritize your own self-protection above the needs of those who are vulnerable, that is not the voice of God if those voices lead you to a place where you are wanting to isolate yourself from anyone who thinks differently, because we can't have those people around here, we can't be associating with those people, understand that is not the voice of God. If you are being led by the things that you are watching, listening to, or reading, if you are being led by the people in your life who are influencing your perspective and your posture, if you're being led to a place of fear, fearing those who are different, fearing those who think and believe and vote differently than you, fearing those with a different perspective, or if you're being led to a place of fear, I wanna be abundantly clear, that is not the voice of truth, that is the spirit of falsehood. I don't care what cable news station it's coming from. I don't care what website you read it on. I don't care what pulpit is promoting it. If it leads you to a place of fear, it is not the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of falsehood. Right, John tells us plainly here, there is no fear in love. The perfect love of Christ casts out all fear. So church, test the spirits evaluate the influences in your life and if they're leading you to a place of fear turn them off tune them out that is not the voice of God it is not a coincidence that two of the most repeated commands in scripture are do not fear and love one another Right, because they come from the same source, the truth of God. The truth of God, Jesus is Lord, leads us to a place of love, and there is no fear in love. The fundamental posture of the spirit of truth casts out all fear. So, what have we seen so far today? First John chapter four. The spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood, there you see it in chart form if that is more helpful for you. The spirit of truth comes from God, affirms that Jesus is Lord, leads to lives of suffering sacrificial love, and casts out all fear. The spirit of falsehood comes from the world, denies that Jesus is Lord, Leads to lives of self protection and self promotion and traps us in cycles of fear. So, this is the point where I would typically try to have some kind of conclusion that would wrap this all up nicely, maybe a story that would illustrate it. But I'm gonna be honest, as I was preparing this week, I got to this place and I I felt like the only appropriate response, the only appropriate way for us to, to kind of wrap this up uh, would be just to, to have a time of prayer. Because, you know, the reality is, this: you throw up a chart like that, it looks real nice, it looks real obvious, real clear distinctions. And I think it's easy for those of us who are in Christ to say, well yeah, we're clearly living on the left side of that chart. We're clearly influenced by the spirit of truth. But here's the thing, John was writing to a group of Christians. And to a group of Christians, he said, listen, it's not that easy. Yeah, there's a clear, distinct, clear distinction between the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. But the reason he is warning them about this is he knows that there are those who are in Christian community who are being influenced by the spirit of falsehood. And so I have to make the same assumption about us, about me. And so I have no fancy conclusion today. <laughs> I have no way to wrap this up, but I want to invite us into a time of prayer. I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for each of you, pray for myself, uh, that we would be a people who are committed to, to the truth. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. God, that's evident in ways that we Are both profoundly aware of and also in ways that we often fail to even recognize and so we just begin lord by thanking you for for who you are you are the giver of every good and perfect gift we thank you lord that you are the source of all truth and god i pray for us i pray for myself i pray for our church that that we would be committed to your truth that we would um, have a, a hunger, a desire, a passion for, for your word, which is, which is true and which, which leads us into all truth. So God, give us, a, give us a burning desire for your truth. God, we thank you for the good news that Jesus is Lord, that he came, that he was willing to be sacrificed on our behalf and that he was raised from the dead, that Jesus is Lord. And God, we, we don't want that to be just something that, that we believe, just a, a bumper sticker kind of statement, but, but God, we recognize that to claim Jesus as Lord places a claim on our lives. It requires a response of us. And so we confess, we acknowledge, we repent that we often say that, but then don't live as if it's true. So Jesus, convict us, challenge us, break us, shake us to our core, God, we want to believe that that's true, and then we want to live as if that's true. Which means that we are to to lead lives of, of suffering, sacrificial love, and that sounds so nice, but it is so hard, so Holy Spirit, God, would you have your way with us? Fill us with your spirit. That's the only way this is possible. God, fill us with your spirit. And God, we pray for your spirit to cast out all fear. You don't give us a spirit of fear. And yet so much of our world is consumed by it. So God, please break us of the cycle and fill us with your love. And God, we, we, we know that your, your truth demands a response. And so, God, we we come to a place of response, we've heard your word, we're praying now for your work, and God, we want to respond, and so, God, I would pray for all those who are here this morning, and those watching online, who need to make some kind of response to what we've seen here. For those who confess and acknowledge that they spend more time on the things of this world than they do in your word. For those who have never placed their trust in you as Lord. Or for those who have done that but aren't living like it. For those who have this sense like yeah, I've been living for a lot of self-protection and a lot of self-promotion. And for those who confess and acknowledge that they have been trapped in cycles of fear, we repent and we commit to follow you. And so I'm gonna ask anyone who feels like in any of these areas, if you feel like the Spirit is, is prompting your heart to say, I need to confess this morning, and also, I wanna make a commitment to live in the spirit of truth. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to just stand up, just as a way of acknowledging before God, not before anyone in this room, but as of acknowledging before God your repentance and your commitment to live in truth. So for any who want to repent of the ways they've been influenced more by the world than by God's word, for any who want to confess either for the first time or to commit again to the fact that Jesus is Lord, for any who want to repent of the fact that they've been living for themselves and haven't been leading a life of suffering sacrificial love, or for any who recognize that they are trapped in a cycle of fear, and they want God's truth to break them out of it, would would you, if any of those things apply to you, would, would you just stand? Now, would the rest of you stand as well? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you for the life that we can experience in you, eternal life in the age to come, and abundant life here and now. Lord God, by the power of your Spirit, led by the Spirit of truth, may we all live in grace and walk in your love. We pray these things in the name of Christ, and together everybody said, Amen.
0: If you like what you heard, you can hear more of our sermons on our website at franconiamennonite.org. There you can find the latest sermons and events that we are having at the church for the community. As always, you are more than welcome to stop on by in person, uh, take a visit to the church. Our services are every Sunday at 1015. If you wanna call beforehand and speak to one of the pastors, we would love to talk with you. It is our prayer that what was offered here today is a blessing to you as you go about your walk with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Blessings.